welcome folks to another edition of Cybersecurity Dispatch. This is your host Ashwin Krishna. In this episode, titled Preserving Your Social Brand, The New Threat Vector, we speak to Mike Price, CTO and co-founder of ZeroRock. We explore this new risk of brand impersonation to hijack reputation, revenue and customers and how enterprises are finally starting to see why this is so important. We round it off with a discussion on crypto mining. All right. So, welcome Mike Thank to you. the Cybersecurity Dispatch and this is really a series of podcasts we're doing for our uh, customers as well as people who are interested in security and generally where it's headed. Sure. So, uh, I want why don't you introduce yourself and we can deep dive right in. Yeah, sure. So, my name is Mike Price. I'm the uh, Chief Technology Officer at Zero Fox. Our company's focused on security as relates to uh, social media and so that's what we work on. I've been working on it for about four years now. Our company's been around for about five years. So that's, uh, I eat, sleep and breathe uh, social media security. So. Okay, great. And it couldn't come at a more topical time with everything that's going on with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. So what is it about social that you think causes people to let go or lose their guard? And is there something about it that's, that's so compelling that security is never top of mind? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a short answer and a long answer to that. But you know, if you if you look into the topic in detail, you'll find that that people, uh, you know, at a sort of a biological level, have a certain need to communicate with others and yep. to connect to others. And so it comes very naturally to us to talk to folks and to tell folks a lot of, uh, about ourselves and to uh, divulge a lot of information to try and form connections. You know, even where there might be a little bit of risk present. And so most people are kind of default open in terms of who they connect yep. to and what they talk about. And I think from there, you know, a lot of the, the security issues kind of stem uh, on social media in particular. So it's interesting you mentioned that because for me, I mean, as somebody who writes about this, yep. it boggles my mind that we have a doorbell and we screen people before they enter our house. Yeah. But we bring an Alexa in and we bring these IoT devices into our home, sure. which are living and breathing yep. and essentially uh, simulating data that can be shared. Yeah. So at a cognitive level, are we more welcoming of these digital intruders versus you and I? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like things are certainly evolving, you know, you know, from maybe 10 or 20 years ago from when like I was a kid or something like that, where you, where you have a lot of tech that, that's out now that makes your life uh, a lot better in a lot of ways. So an Alexa, right. you know, or, or some of these types of, you know, personal home assistants, I mean, they're, they're, they just make your day-to-day life easier. Yep. But there is certainly a privacy trade-off in the sense that you don't necessarily know what's happening with the data behind the scenes. Yep. Certainly, you want to trust the brands and the companies that, that manage this data, but then there's oftentimes uh, other information that comes out that shows that maybe your data is not being handled, you know, with the utmost concern for privacy. So it's a bit of a convenience versus privacy kind of trade-off, it seems. Yeah, so it's uh, interesting. I mean, the, the one interview I did earlier is really about privilege access, right? Yeah. And where the conversation ended was pretty interesting. We're talking about privilege access to look at who has control of social. Yeah. Because it's 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 got to a point right now where Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and other forms of social media yeah. is really where the keys to the kingdom are. Sure. So in some sense, it's it's still important to talk about switches and routers yeah. and applications and database and so forth. Yeah. But increasingly, the focus is an erroneous tweet or a LinkedIn sure. update which shouldn't have gone in can yeah. cause major damage. So are you, from your perspective, given where ZeroFox is coming from, Yeah. Are you starting to see the same heightened awareness or sensitivity when it comes to social interaction from an enterprise perspective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely the case. So, I mean, you know, five years ago when we started the company, uh, the premise, you know, of the company was basically that social is and is going to become the dominant form of communication. Yet, you know, 
there were already security issues and we felt that, that, that it was very likely that, you know, we would see even more. But uh, there was really, really very little attention being paid to security by the networks themselves, by the enterprise security folks, by consumers in general. And so that was the premise of the company. And over the last five years, we've seen nothing but really growth in the sort of volume and types of problems that have manifested on social. And in the last couple of years in particular, a lot of people have um, come to understand, you know, our point of view and, and have come to you know, join a ZeroFox customers, for example. And so these days, most enterprises are definitely um, recognizing that there's, uh, you know, meaningful risk to their to, to their organizations from a whole host of different kinds of issues. I mean, they're getting on board with the fact that, you know, it's very costly to, to build out and administer a program on their own. And so they're coming to us, you know, for protection around that. So let, let me ask you something uh, which is also <laughs> manifested by the instant gratification or communication that social brings about. Yeah. So whether it's the Starbucks CEO, Kevin Johnson, having to respond within 12 hours of this incident that happened at Starbucks in yeah, Philly, yeah. or Dr. Wu getting pulled out of United Airlines and, and North Korea is having to respond. Yeah. So there is also an expectation that the companies have to be on top of the game. Yeah. Right? So from your perspective, how do you marry something which actually puts a layer of caution and you have to oversee what somebody does or doesn't do? Yeah. But if a company or a business does not respond in real time, they're essentially their reputation is in the mud. So how do you reconcile these two? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the risks that we see or the risks that we deal with aren't so much related to, uh, you know, precaution around like how companies are expressing themselves on social. It has a lot more to do with um, whether companies are being somehow harmed by other people's behavior on social. So this is one of, the, one of the core things that we deal with. So it could be the case that, you know, a, a major enterprise has a major social media presence, but they haven't learned how to ma- manage the security of those social media accounts. Uh, it could be the case that their brands are being abused on social. And so we deal much more with other people harming the enterprise's use of social than, than we do with trying to help the, the, the enterprise kind of control its own message, you know. So that I think that's what I would think, I think about okay. that one. So. so given your pretty extensive security history, right, let's, yeah. let's switch gears and go sure. away from social for a bit. Yep. Crypto mining. Yeah. And I know you've you've been quoted in articles about that. So uh, it's still a lot of black magic and voodoo over here, right? So yeah. explain in basic terms why is crypto mining such a big issue right now, yeah. and how as consumers, yeah. our servers and our PCs and our uh, AWS accounts yeah. could get used for this purpose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, long, long story short, you know, the, the the way that new cryptocurrency com- you know comes to exist is through this process called mining. And mining generally relies on this uh, a, lot, a lot of heavy use of you know computing resources, and so basically, the more computing resources you have, the more you can mine, the more cryptocurrencies you can come up with, and the more money you can make at the end of the day. And so, given the fact that you can basically turn computing resources into money, then for some folks, you know, there's an incentive to get their hands on as many computing devices as they can, as many computers or servers as they can, with or without permission, basically. And so, I think that. I, I have a lot of respect for the goals of cryptocurrencies. I'm a big fan fan of it, but certainly it, it makes it a little bit easier in a way for a cyber criminals, so to speak, or bad actors, so to speak, to go hack into machines. Whereas before, maybe they needed to do something with that machine or steal some information from that machine. Now, just, just the machine has a value to it, which is a little bit new and, and kind of concerning trend in that regard. So, so that actually leads into the question of how does a consumer, yeah. right, where who barely understands what they have in their device in their home today. Yeah. And now their computers are being used for crypto mining. They have listening devices at home. They have connected coffee machines, connected TVs. Yeah. So is the uh, hacker's mentality now saying, hey, enterprises are, are okay from a target perspective, but they have a lot lot more 
sophistication when it comes to security controls. Yeah. Is the home becoming a new target? And if so, how does a consumer even come to terms with, hey, is my home secure? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that, that I've witnessed a trend that says that folks are, you know, hackers or, or these types of folks are gravitating away from the enterprise and more towards the consumer. I think that it's it's kind of always been the case that consumers have been a, a target of nefarious activity. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the malware that we've seen over, over the last 10 or 20 years, I suppose, has been something that's really affected the home quite a bit. And, and a lot of the AV industry was born out of protecting both consumers and the enterprise, right? So... I definitely think that the surface area, so to speak, for consumers is, is getting bigger and bigger. So now you have smart homes, which have a lot of devices and things like Alexa, or personal home assistants and smart TVs. And basically everything's becoming smart and connected to the Internet. So a lot of the Internet of Things aspect of this is just putting every home and, and, and the average consumer much more onto the Internet, you know, and a little, exposing them a little bit more. Uh, from the cryptocurrency side of the house, I mean, I think most folks are, you know, using an exchange as opposed to storing this stuff on their local mm-hmm. systems. And, and, and so... You know, they can kind of do regular things like, you know, uh, make sure that their home computers are secure with some sort of endpoint security. They'll probably avoid a lot of problems with that. But there's still a big question as to how to lock down all the other kind of like custom devices like the Alexas and right. the, the, you know, the other internet connect- connected devices that aren't your home PC, you know, so. So given that we're at RSA 2018 and we're at day one <laughs> over here, what are your thoughts in terms of what we can expect to see on the show floor starting tomorrow and what some <laughs> of the big announcements are going to be. Yeah, you know, I guess I'll have to wait to, uh, a little bit to walk the floor and to get a better a better sense for what the trends are going to be like this year. I mean, I think that, you know, there's certainly going to be a lot around the leveraging of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of the big things, you know, there's a lot around higher level analytics around how we handle incident data or threat data and draw more more conclusions from that data at a, at a faster pace. And I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of interesting new, you know, kind of uh, areas of InfoSec that are being productized. And so uh, I look forward to walking the floor and checking it out. So. so so that leads me to one last question. Do you see a battle between AI ML, which really requires large data sets, yeah. and data privacy, which really is I need to reduce the amount of data that I collect, yeah. e- either because of GDPR or because of other regulations coming? So do you see that being something that is going to play out over the course of the next two to three years where you have data scientists saying, hey, I need more data, yeah. and your privacy experts are within the organization or regulatory authorities coming in and saying, hey, you've got to limit the amount of data you collect. And yeah. how do you think that's going to play out? I, I think at current point in time, like it's, it's a little chicken and egg depending on the organization. So you know, it's a little tough for data scientists to just directly leverage sort of like the arbitrary data that a company has. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, they'll set out to build the data set that they're looking to train their ML on or something like that. So... I, I could see there being a risk of like these data sets being built for, for the purposes of training, you know, some AI system. And then maybe those data sets either just being grown kind of perpetually over time or, or not discarded. There's probably a bit of a risk of that. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds, honestly. So, yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's a good... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there is no good answer to that. And I've yeah. quite a few people. Yeah. And it, it is something that we have to reconcile yeah. with, right? Yeah. I mean, it's tough because like the, the, the potential for AI is huge. And the productivity gains that, that we might see from that are... are probably unlike anything we've really seen before, or at least in some regards. So so advancing, you know, systems that are able to recognize images or to do different really, you know, things like that, like whatever it might be. I mean, in, in many ways, it's in our best interests, but you certainly can't do that without training a machine on things. And so there's just interesting pros and cons there. So Cool. So any last words for our audience before we wrap up? No, uh, but definitely check out the ZeroFox uh, website. And, you know, we hope we can uh, do a little bit of social media protection for you too. So. All right. Thank you, everybody.